My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. Today is the last Sunday School of the calendar year. Oh, it is. No Sunday school next week, no Sunday school the week after that, and then we'll come back, Lord willing, uh, on the, whatever that is, uh, the 7th of January, and do our uh, Alignment Sunday, and then back in Colossians, Lord willing, on the 14th of January. So it'll be almost a month before we talk about Colossians again. So we're going to try to get uh, a light in today. So we'll see. So if you've got your Bibles, we're in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, with the last pericope that we begin today, the one that starts Paul's ministry in the CSB. And it spills over into a little chapter 2, and we'll read that as well. So, Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And he has told us about your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have him, to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, 
that is, the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So two things, I love that text. And second, I love what Bruce did when he came in the room. And I just want to commend him for that. He came in the room, he saw that we were reading scripture, and he stopped where he was. That was beautiful. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. All right, so we are on uh, page 91 in our Teal books today, and we will spend exactly that much time on page 91. So we are now on page 92. Uh, and you'll notice that at the top of page 92, there is a paragraph break. Uh, so we see that there is a, there's two different paragraphs in this particular pericope uh, for this uh, Paul's ministry section. Uh, and then we get into today's text, starting in verse 24. Uh, and <laughs> Shanda's like, no, we're not going to cover that. We'll see. Uh, I thought about starting this morning by saying... Um, uh, our flight time today is 38 minutes. Uh, wheels up, uh, skies are clear, hearts are full, and let's go. Uh, but this is our, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. And I, I will tell you, I almost decided to stop right there and just teach a whole lesson on that. And the reason I couldn't is that I don't have lived experience that aligns with that. It would just be theoretical-ish, I think. Uh, but there is a ton right there. So he's shifting gears here. I rejoice in my sufferings for you. And I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body. And there has been a tremendous amount of ink spilled over what this means and what it does not mean. And we will press hard into what it does not mean today. Uh, that is the church. So this is the second time he's called out in Colossians chapter 1 that Christ's body is the church. So he's trying to communicate this concept quite, quite uh, clearly. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I want to answer uh, three questions today. One is, how in the world do we rejoice in suffering? Two, uh, what are we talking about with this lacking in Christ? Uh, in Christ's afflictions for his body, and then three, what is the mystery? Okay, so I want to try to hit those three things today, and I think they're fairly straightforward from the text. So I'm on page 93 already, so if you're on page 93, that's fantastic. If you're not, uh, I invite you to go to page 93. So we'll start with the first word, now. So when is now? Careful, this may be a trick question. When is now? The moment he said it, right. So now here is 2,000 years ago-ish, right? We're rounding a little. It's okay. 
Um, so, like, not today, but Paul is writing then. Now I rejoice. Now, this, this verb, I rejoice, is a present active, which means right then while he was doing it, he was actively rejoicing. So he's just finished with this beautiful poem, this hymn about Jesus, and talking about uh, the repercussions from that and how we were alienated and now we're not uh, alienated anymore. We can stand confidently before the Father because of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now I rejoice. And that makes sense, right? You, you, would, you would go, yeah, that makes sense. I can rejoice because I'm standing and we will be able to stand in front of the Father because of the work of Christ. And then he goes a direction that is just different. Uh, I rejoice in my or the sufferings. And the sufferings is well translated. Uh, it's hardship or pain. Um, and then he says, for you. And this is the part where I struggle to uh, experientially relate. If it, does this make sense? Like, do, have you physically experienced suffering for the sake of the gospel, because of the gospel, for the sake of a group of people? If you have, that's incredible. And I would say you have a partner in Paul. Um, but the thing that I see here, that I, it was application for me, was rejoicing and suffering can coexist. And I don't, I hesitate to use the word coexist. I feel like it's been co-opted by that terrible bumper sticker, right? With like all the theologies of that. Like that would have been, that would have been the perfect Colossian bumper sticker. That would have been the absolute perfect Colossians bumper sticker. Yes, they would have sold a lot of those. I don't know what they would have called them on a chariot, but like it's, right. But rejoicing and suffering can coexist. So personalization here is rejoice in suffering, right? Rejoice in suffering. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I love that. I was so hoping somebody had a, I've talked to somebody who's done this. So Mitch just shared, for those of you online, a uh, story about some, when he was in missionary travels, uh, friends of his from eastern Ukraine who had been to prison because of like, what we're doing right now, which is just amazing. Yeah. I've often wondered what would happen to Sunday school attendance if it was illegal. Whether that would play into our rebellious streak as Americans whether that would uh, dive us deeper into obedience to Christ or whether that would have us cowering in fear uh, or some other option, I don't know. But I want, I want to think that we would be faithful. I want to think that. Yeah, it is. It is. But what we can know is that it is possible to rejoice in suffering for the gospel, which is good. Because this tells me, should that day come, God doesn't leave us, 
and we can still be uh, joyful in the midst of that. So I rejoice in my sufferings for you, this plural you. Again, this is beautiful. Uh, and am completing, so the kind of the second part here, this completing is a present active as well. Uh, this word means to supplement. In my flesh, uh, in my flesh, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body. So this word lacking at the bottom of page 95, I want to lean into this for just a second. Uh, so this is hysterima. Uh, uh, this is the lack of what is needed or desirable, frequently in contrast to abundance. So this is not, oh, I'm really full from lunch. I think I, think I can get another piece of pie down. It's like, no, 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 no. This is, I am hungry. I would like food. It's a different kind of, uh, lacking here because we don't like like deficiency or need this is not just a ooh I'd like extra portions but no, no 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 not not the same thing here so this is something that is needed um, so I, I will say this so what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body so where was Christ afflicted for his body the church where was Christ afflicted for his body on the cross, right? Absolutely. Was he afflicted any other place? Yes. Like right before the cross, right? Yes. So there was, there was physical affliction that happened to our Lord Jesus Christ's physical body for us. The, the, the reformers would call it the mystical body or the spiritual body, but this is the idea that we are the body of Christ. So if Christ is the head and we are his body, are we connected to him? Yes. So if Christ is the head and the head has suffered, are we connected to him through suffering? Yes, absolutely. We're going to get a lot into that here in just a second. Um, this word affliction is a really good word. It's uh, what trouble that inflicts distress. So it's not just like, um, so I'll give you an example. This, uh, I should have asked Julie if this was okay. Y'all are wondering where this is going to go, right? I have uh, something wrong with my left big toe, and I'm going to see a podiatrist about it tomorrow. And it is annoying. Every time I step, there's just a little bit of pain. It is not, uh, I need crutches, I can't put weight on it. It's just annoying. That is not what this is. This is trouble that inflicts distress. This is, my foot is broken. When I put it on the ground, there is extreme pain. You see the difference here? Like this is significant. So this is Christ's afflictions for his body. Um, we're going to get into what it means here in just a second, but here is what it does not mean for sure. There is no hint of any deficiency in Christ's death or any indication that Paul or anyone else needs to or is somehow able to supplement what the cross accomplished in God's saving activity. This text does not mean we work to make up for what Jesus didn't do. It's like, no. When I say those words, your brain should go, ugh, that just tastes terrible. Good, because that is terrible theology. It is terrible, terrible theology. So page 97, that is the church, which is just this parenthetical explanation of his body. So... Um, So what does Paul connect his suffering to? Or who does Paul connect his suffering to? I will take two really good theological answers here. The first is 
Jesus, and the second is his church, right? So yeah, Paul's suffering, in order, Paul's suffering in order to fulfill his personal calling was service to the Colossian congregation and the church as a whole, which I think is beautiful because it's not one or the other. Well, now I'm serving Jesus, or now I'm serving, like, no, 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 no. We could do both at the same time. This is good. This is helpful. This is wonderful for us. So big point application at the bottom of page 97. Uh, the church is Christ's body. The church is Christ's body. And if you, if you read through uh, Colossians chapter 1 and 2, really into 3 as well, keeping in mind, like the church is the body, the church is the body, we'll start to see all sorts of comments that Paul is making around connecting these concepts. So if the church is Christ's body... What do we do with that? All right. I'll tell you the order in which I'm about to say these things, I would argue, matters a lot. A lot of people want to say, well, we're the body of Christ, so we've got to go be the church. Well, we are the church, whether we are being it or not, right? But regardless. Um, how about, how about, and the Christmas season is a wonderful time to do this, behold and behave behold and behave. It's not behave and behold. We get things really out of whack when we're like, we'll work first, and then we'll, like, no, 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 We work because of what we behold, not uh, behold because of how we behave. So the church is Christ's body, so let's behold and behave. So verse 25, I have become its servant. I have become its servant. Does this remind us of any language we've seen in Colossians chapter 1 already? Where Paul says he's a servant to something? What's he said already that he's his servant to? I heard it somewhere. The gospel, yes, back in 23, right? He says, uh, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. You're like, well, hang on, Paul. He talks about himself in other places as a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's a servant of the gospel. He's now a servant of the church. Oh, does Paul just not think much of himself? Or Let me say that a different way. Perhaps the Christian life is marked by service. Because we're servants. Like that's what we do. That's who we are. Right? Christians are servants to the church, not the other way around. So maybe we should serve the church well. Christians are servants to the church, not the other way around. So let's serve the church well. Just a data point, Dave. It's still connected. It's just buffering badly today. So better-ish, maybe? Yeah. Cool. At least it's alive, right? <laughs> so Christians are servants to the church not the other way around, so let's serve the church well. And then he has this wonderful little comment. So I've become a, uh, I have become its servant according to God's commission. So page 99, this word commission, which is a, uh, an interesting word. Uh, it, it, when you see this word, I, I really like the definition there that Strong's gives, the, uh, the gloss, the administration. Um, this is the idea of management, that there needs to be some type of a structure in place. Um, now, some of you may have commentary on what I'm about to say, and that's okay. But can you imagine 
what our, like Stewart Heights Baptist Church, would look like with no structure in place at all, like zero administrative structure at all. That seems not good, <laughs> right? Now, does that make sense? Like just no administrative structure whatsoever, none. Think about going to your job or in your family or in your household or any business that you go to, no administrative structure whatsoever. You're like, this, well, this just seems like chaos. Yes, and when we read through the scripture, does our God sound like a chaotic God? Like, no, we don't, like, we don't get out of the first chapter of the first book without him setting things in order for signs and seasons and signals about what is to come. Like, he is an ordered, structured God. And it makes sense that his son's body, his son's bride, would also be ordered and structured. And this is what this is. So, by God's commission that was given to me, for who? For you. This is neat, I think, that God doesn't put order and structure in place for the people at the quote-unquote top. He puts order and structure in place for the entire group. Does that make sense? So whenever we hear, I, I like this phrase, servant leadership, because the idea is that we're serving, I think is wise, but there still needs to be some structure and leadership in place. Yes, that's good. We mash those together, and every once in a while, I don't know about you, but if you've ever led something, every once in a while the thought pops in your head, ooh, we could rearrange this, and that's better for me. So for those of us that are leaders or act in a leadership capacity, that is opposite of what the text says here. This commission was given to Paul for you, this plural you. So these apostles were commissioned by God, uh, and I think we can rejoice in uh, authority. Which I get sounds like the most un-American thing you can ever say, and I'm cool with that because it's biblical. So let's rejoice in authority. I put in my notes, we are better off as a species because of authority. <laughs> like it is in fact helpful. Somebody does, in fact, need to be in charge. So this commission that was given to Paul for you, the Colossians, to make the word of God fully known. Now, I want you to, I want you to jump down to the bottom of page 100 real quick and look at what's after, what's after the words fully known. Do you see brackets after fully known? All right, so this happens a lot in English translations of the Bible where the verb gets split with some phrase in the middle, but the Greek word is actually describing the word make and fully and known. And I just have to put, I can't put the brackets in there twice. That makes it look like there's two Greek words here. So usually when you see uh, this in some type of a uh, written format, you'll have an arrow, like connecting this word with this word, so you know, like, oh, okay, it's one word, it's encompassing both of these thoughts. Uh, and we do this all the time in our English when we split a middle, put something in between a uh, compound verb. And this is just what's happening here. So, so to make, and this word make means to, uh, to fill up, to make full, to make complete, 
And in this phrase, the Word of God. You're like, the Word of God. Well, what's the Word of God? Jesus, and it's... And the Scripture, and... Words that God spoke that were not documented for us, right? Like, the, the Word of God has more than one meaning... And this is just the word logos, and it's kind of tricky right here to understand what this is referring to. If only we had like a verse 26 to go to that would help us explore this just a smidge more. But before we go to verse uh, 26, I want to I wanna just, I went on a rabbit trail yesterday, and I want to show you the whole rabbit trail, okay? So I'm just, I'm showing you my cards right now. We're about to go down. This is what Jim's brain looks like on PowerPoint, Okay. So here we go. All right, so Paul's stewardship of God's message to make it fully known included both the explanation of the gospel's fulfillment in Christ and the expansion of the gospel's impact throughout the world. It wasn't just academic, and it wasn't just doing things. It's both of these things together. This has implications for us, so davenant for the win. Uh, God not only decreed by his eternal counsel what sufferings Christ on his part should undergo in his body for the redemption of the church, so God ordained what Jesus was going to go through to redeem us, but also what each member of the church should be subject to in his body for the name of Christ. Circling back to Mitch's point just a second ago, so God ordained what Christ was going to go through, God ordained what we are going to go through. That is good. This reminded me of 1 Corinthians 1, or 2 Corinthians 1, 5 through 7. So for just as this, because the New Testament has a lot to say about suffering. This is not a silent topic. There's a lot here. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope, remember this, this is confidence, this is assurance. Our hope for you is firm because we know that as you share in the suffering, so you will share in the comfort. This is our hope in the middle of suffering, that there is comfort that is coming later on. Philippians 1, we just went through Philippians, right? For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you were engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have. Philippians 3, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. 1 Peter 2, for you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. The steps that we follow are suffering. We are called to suffer for Christ. Lancelot Ridley, there is no picture of Lancelot Ridley, which I think is just a travesty of Christian justice. So as pertaining to our, it, our redemption, justification and salvation, nothing remains that was not fulfilled in the passion of Christ. Jesus accomplished everything for our salvation. But as touching the suffering of Christ in his members, this remains to be fulfilled in every one of them. We have work to do in suffering to complete the sufferings of Christ. Not for our salvation, but according to God's purposes, which I think is amazing. And then Melanchthon, right? I mean, you've got to have a good Melanchthon quote. So the sufferings of the saints are Christ's sufferings. Therefore, there lacks something to the sufferings of Christ. 
so long as there remain people who suffer. Is that Ridley? Ah, Can you send that to me? That'd be fantastic. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Wonderful. I now have a picture of Ridley. I knew as soon as I said that, somebody would go find a picture of Ridley. I just assumed it'd be Sean, but that's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. This makes me happy. Um, All right, I found one more. You're like, where's he going? I saw it on Twitter yesterday. St. Augustine, here you go. God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. Suffering is part of the Christian experience. But are we alone in this? Are we abandoned in this? Are we hopeless in this? And we have a promise of comfort later on. Guess what? It'll be all right. So verse 26, I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Part of the way in which we make the word of God fully known is through suffering. Because it is either valuable and significant and weighty enough to endure, help us endure through suffering, or it is not. And when it helps us endure through suffering and we rejoice in that, a watching world goes, that makes no sense. Can you tell me why? <laughs> yes, well, I thank you for asking me to share the gospel with you. That's fantastic. All right, verse 26. To make the word of God fully known, the mystery, the mystery hidden for ages and generations. So do you see the top of page 101 The mystery here, this word for mystery just means a secret or a mystery. It shows up a couple other times in Colossians. Uh, Specifically, 2-2. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. What's the next word? Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Mystery shows up one more time in Colossians 4, 3. It says, At the same time, pray for us that God may open a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. See, we, we sometimes think that a mystery is a what. The mystery is a Who? The mystery is a who, it's not a what. The mystery is Christ. And revealing, making him fully known is part of the role of a Christian. So let's thank God for his revelation. That has like nine different meanings, I think. So the mystery is a who, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for his revelation. Did God have to reveal this? That's an interesting question. I don't know why he would have constructed all of creation to revel and exalt the sun if he wasn't ever going to reveal the sun, but I am sure thankful that he did. And this mystery was hidden for ages and generations. Think all the Old Testament. Because they had 
shadows and glimpses and prophecies and ideas and like it's gonna he's gonna like somewhere in like sort of this but did they have a fully formed robust theology of who jesus was and what he was going to do when he showed up absolutely not because they looked at jesus and they said you don't fit in the box that we thought you were going to fit in we're going to throw you out and that's what they did but god still revealed it because this was a message that was important to the Father. So God revealed his mystery. So I'm going to thank and praise him for that, for sure. So page 102, for ages and generations, but now, in Paul's time here, revealed. You see this revealed as a passive. This was done to the, right? The Father does the revealing. And this is an indicative. This is a statement of fact. And this shows up in Colossians 3, verse 4. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, that's the revealing there, then you will also appear, again, the revealing, with him in glory. Colossians 4.4 4. So that I may make it known, the mystery of Christ, to make it known is to be revealed again. So this beautiful mystery of Christ as the Son of God, who is in us and is revealed to the world through what we do with our lives. Which is really amazing and a bit scary at the same time because I want to reveal Jesus correctly and truthfully and rightfully and not in some skewed, messed up way. So hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints... Ha <laughs> That's a good one. And if Paul had said this to many of the churches in the New Testament, what they would have heard was revealed this to the Jews. And that is not what he said. So he takes verse 27 and he clarifies. God wanted. Now that's a fun Bible study in and of itself, what God wants. Uh, but this is his choice or preference. God's choice, his preference, is to make known, to reveal among the who. We're in. We are in. We are in. <laughs> this is great. Among the Gentiles, and then he just, he borrows some language from Brian here. The glorious, the glorious wealth. I don't know what kind of wealth you have. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've seen your car, Sean. That's exactly right. <laughs> the glorious wealth. The glorious wealth of this mystery. Who is the mystery? Jesus. <sighs> like, what else do we want for Christmas? <laughs> I don't know. Which is... Present active indicative, Christ in you. So it's not, it's not just Jesus. It's Jesus in you. Like, we'll, we'll time out. That seems like a lot. Yes, that's a lot. And then he finishes this phrase up with the hope of glory. This is our confidence. This is our expectation. This is where we place our faith in Christ. 
So I'll finish with the last application for today. The mystery is in God's people. The mystery is in God's people. That's crazy, isn't it? Like, just, what in the world? That's bonkers. The mystery is in God's people. So what I'm going to do with that is I'm going to thank God for His personalization. Do you like that? <laughs> There's a lot of things that uh, we get that God didn't have to do. And I am just so amazed that indwelling us is something that the Trinity said yes. Let's do that. So, for this Christmas, if you're a believer in our Lord Jesus Christ, you've already gotten the best gift. And it's already been placed in the best place. And he's never going to leave you, and he's never going to forsake you. So if Monday week, Christmas is Monday week, right? Yes. If Monday week you don't get the present that you were hoping for, just remember you've already got the best one. Okay? Oh, wow, that was a lot of consoling. It happened right over here. <laughs> I don't, do we need to take up a fund? Take up a little mini offering here? Okay, all right. Sorry. There we go. All right, so, uh, Shanda. <clears throat> Four verses. There we go. There we go. All right. This that will be the picture that YouTube wants me to po post as the like this particular lesson. It, it will not be. All right. So uh, that's the lesson for today. You should have your weekly update on your table. As a reminder, no Sunday school for the next two weeks. Feel free to show up. Um, I will not be here. It may be awkward. So uh, or it may not. I'm not sure. Uh, Lord willing, January the seventh, we'll come back and do alignment Sunday. January fourteenth, we'll pick up. Uh, with verse 28 in Colossians chapter 1, and we will relish in some more Jesus. It'll be good. All right, so thanks for coming today, guys. Your weekly update is there. Uh, pray over those prayer requests. Jot down any new ones. Once you have finished, you are free to go and to worship this one who has given himself for us, in us, to proclaim him. So... Merry Christmas to you and your family, and I hope you have a safe and happy new year. Thanks, guys. Thanks for engaging, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.